Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. So, to put this into context, I'm a 20-year-old girl. I live in the suburbs in a small residence of six houses. And my gate is almost always broken, including today. That means like 80% of the time, it's wide open, so everyone can fit into the small courtyard. My house has one floor, there are four bedrooms, including mine, and downstairs there's a guest bedroom, which is used as a sort of treatment room because I have big health concerns. This is where all the equipment and the medicines are stored. And this is also where the care takes place. Also, I have a dog. I'm very, very close to him. He's a little bit of all my life, to be honest. He feels everything to the point of feeling my epileptic seizures before they happen, to recognizing the nurses who are arriving. He recognizes by the sound of their tires when they arrive in the yard. He never barks too, except when there's a problem. And finally, a nurse spends like four to five times a day to give me care at my home, including infusions. This is important for the story. So that morning, like every morning, my liberal nurse arrived at 8am. For the rest of the story, I'll call her Sandra as well. She takes care of me as usual. That is to say, an infusion of a painkiller. She replaces the antibiotic diffusers. She takes a blood test and remakes the cassette on my morphine pump. We usually chat about everything and nothing, really. She tells me stories with patients during the treatment. My nurses are an integral part of my life. They've looked after me for six years now. She leaves after 40 minutes and says to me, See you later. I think I'm going to be a little bit late today, but don't worry. That day, I have a medical appointment in the morning, and I'm alone all day because my parents are working, except the nurses' passages every four hours. Once back from my meeting... I sit on the sofa with my dog while waiting for my nurse. After a while, I hear the tire noises. I get up because I think it's the nurse. But this time, my dog started growling behind the door. I look at the time, 11.50am. I tell myself that it's a bit early, but 
Sometimes instead of going after, my nurse exchanges me with the patient from before. So I didn't think too much of it. I hear knocking. Surprised, I go to open it. Usually the nurses just come in like that. And I see a young woman standing there who I've never seen. She says to me, Hello, are you my name? I'm Camille, a third year nursing student. Your nurse will be a little bit late, so she told me to come and start preparing and she'll arrive soon. I'm not too concerned. I'm used to students coming, to be honest, but I'm just a little bit surprised that Sandra didn't warn me. Because usually she warns me in the morning or sends me a message or something. And even then, she never leaves a student alone when it's the first time that we've seen each other. I tell myself that she must have forgotten to tell me. I bring her in and show her the way to the treatment room. I take out the things for treatment while she washes her hands and my dog is just really weird. He growls at her as soon as she approaches me and turns to come around me. I was embarrassed so I left him in the living room and closed the door to be quiet. I don't really care what she does. I let her do it. I'm on my phone at the moment anyway. She begins to put the IV on the infusion stand and takes a syringe. Normally we rinse my central catheter with a syringe of a fire serum already made. You just have to open the packaging. And there I see that it's not a pre-made syringe but a syringe that she has prepared. I look up and see all of the stuff on my treatments are intact and haven't been opened. Yet I did hear the sound of something breaking. I'm starting to think that this is weird. And there she starts to approach me to inject the syringe when I get a message from my nurse. I'll be there in five minutes. Can you start pulling out the material? And man, did my blood run cold. I got up and said, Oh, uh, I'm just going to the toilet. I'm, I'm sorry. I ran and locked myself in the downstairs toilet. The whole time my dog was barking and growling and carrying on and when I opened the door, he followed me straight up so that we were both in the toilet. I sent a message to my nurse that there was another student nurse here, don't worry. And she replied with, who? It was at this point that I started crying in the toilet and was really, really scared. This woman came up to me and said, is everything okay? I think that she could see that I was staying a long time in there. And I said, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I'll be right out. Then I heard my front door slam. Two minutes later, I hear it reopen, but this time I hear my nurse. I came out of the toilet crying and she asked me what happened. I told her about it and showed the treatment room and so we called the police. They came, they examined, took samples, the syringe and the rest of whatever this woman had prepared. The test results were received a few days after receiving the products in the syringe and the infusion. And in the syringe was a paralyzer. She had put a dose that could have paralyzed a man of 120 kilos apparently and I'm only 40. And in the IV, it was a medicine to lower the heart rate. But it was so concentrated that it could have stopped anyone's heart. Today... We still have no idea who this person was, and luckily, I never heard from her again. 
I want to specify too that she stole all of my opioids but no other things like my tablet which was on the bed of my computer which was in the living room. In retrospect I realize that my dog sensed that this person didn't mean me well and I tell myself that I should have watched her because she was just a student and that my treatments are not paracetamol and all that and I keep wondering what could have happened if I hadn't looked at my phone that day. I will give you guys the news as soon as I have it, and if you have any questions, then don't hesitate to ask. Thanks for listening as well. It was a scary ordeal and something that I'll never forget, but anyway, I hope you guys have a nice day. In 2011, I was a sophomore in high school and was hanging out with my friend Hadley. We live in the Rust Belt and the population of our area has declined a lot in the last 40 to 50 years. So schools were merged as a result of declining enrollment, which means that there are a lot of abandoned schools. I lived in a small town on the PA Ohio border and the abandoned school was a hotspot for teenagers and stuff who wanted to smoke and break windows and just overall cause havoc. My friend and I were in a breezeway type area. You could just step right in over a 1.5 foot wall because all of the glass had been broken out. When all of a sudden, a guy comes around the corner and grabs my friend, telling her to come with him. But we think it's a guy who intends to call the cops, so we just book it out of there and walk to my cousin's house down the street. It's the day before my aunt's birthday. Also, it was a super moon that day. So all of my family is at my cousin's house and we hang out with them for a bit. They all end up going out to eat, but my cousin Hadley and I, we stay back at the house. It's now dark outside, but we're sitting in my cousin's stoop and smoking cigarettes, when all of a sudden, we see a man walking down my cousin's driveway, from the direction of her garage, not the direction of the street. And he has his coat pulled over his mouth, and his hat pulled down to his eyes, so only his eyes and nose were visible, and he's making a a strange gesture at us. At first glance, I, I thought that he was jangling keys at us, so me being stupid think that it's our uncle trying to give us the house keys, and I walk up to him, and my cousin says, Jake, get away from him, man. And now that I'm a little bit closer, I can see what he's doing. He is touching himself. We turn around, run around the house to the front door, the door to the stoop was literally never ever used and was blocked with a bunch of stuff because it opened up to a storage room and we thankfully get inside. The guy gets to the front door after us and finishes all over the sliding glass door and then runs back towards her garage into the woods. We are totally freaking out. We call the cops obviously, they ask us some questions and then they leave. Now. About a week later, a girl who graduated from our high school heard about what happens and remember seeing a car parked on the street behind my cousin's garage and had actually taken down the license plate number. She reports the number to the police and it's registered to an Ohio man. We're in PA but literally only about a quarter mile from the PA-Ohio border, so not much is really done. But then a few weeks later, this same car chases a woman from Walmart into Youngstown, Ohio and attempts to follow her inside and sexually assault her. He's arrested. Turns out that he 
allegedly had a habit of trying to do this to people in Walmart parking lots in both Newcastle, PA and Youngstown, Ohio. He faced charges in both states and my cousin and friend and I were all subpoenaed to testify against him. When we go to court, we see his mugshot and the guy who well, touched himself and chased us. It was the same guy who grabbed my friend in the abandoned school that night. He wasn't going to call the cops either. He was going to try and have his way with her. He got a few years in prison, but I believe that he got out in 2015 or 2016 or something. So yeah, we were lucky that day, and for that, I'm eternally grateful. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So, I think that this is important to the story. I was a preteen, you see, when this happened, but I hit puberty early enough that I looked like a young teenager. So, we used to have a tiny barn on my property, and it was my job to milk our dairy goats every morning. So, every single morning, at almost the exact same time, I'd be in the back corner of our lot to milk and all that stuff. It was in a fairly isolated area of our yard and between three neighbours' fields or pastures, which was intentional since goats can be talkative, so it was right beside our neighbours' chain-link fence or grapevines. I would sing fairly loudly every morning too, since there was generally nobody to be bothered, and it calmed down the goats, at least a little. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it was easy to know that there was a girl back there every morning and night. This particular morning though, my mum had a bad feeling and made my little brother go with me. He was bored so he messed around and collected eggs while I milked. There were little windows all around, including a wide one right behind me, and the doors were wide open so I figured that he'd come back eventually. Well, I saw him walk past the doors and start 
talking to somebody. I figured that it was the neighbor, so I didn't worry when he said, okay, I'll go get my mum, and took off. Then I heard the chain link fence behind me rattle, and I turned around just in time to see a man launch himself over the chain link fence into the neighbor's yard. Apparently, he'd been watching me and waiting since before I got into the yard. I don't know what he would have done if my mum hadn't have made my brother go with me that morning, but... I did get out of goat milking solo though for quite some time. I live in a small rural community in the eastern US. It's a nice little town and because of my work in the medical field I've met some uh, interesting folks. I'm also familiar with the law enforcement and emergency personnel Small town life is not as dull and uneventful as people think, I guess. Especially since everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. I have a lot of stories to share, in fact, but since this one just happened, I'll start here. Also, because it's still very recent and the investigation is ongoing, I have to be vague with some details, but I just need to tell someone. So, I'm single and I live alone. Due to a stalker, I've moved twice, but that's another story for another time. However, it is relevant for this story for multiple reasons. The first reason being that I have a dog for the sake of protection, as well as have motion sensors and outdoor security cameras. The second reason being that the location of my home, which is literally down the street from the fire department, I can see it from my living room window, is also a couple of blocks from the police station. However, next to the fire department is the road department, which is basically a parking lot where they park their road equipment and empty garbage trucks at night and on weekends. Oddly, it doesn't have a security camera. Small town life, I suppose. Anyway, my house sits on a hill with a good view of that side of the street, and due to the incline, the large trees in the front yard and the half cornfield on the property next to me, most people on the street below wouldn't notice me in the backyard unless they were sort of actively looking. However, I can see the street very clearly, and this incident happened Saturday evening. The county was holding its annual Independence Day spiel with a community barbecue, music, fireworks, etc., I didn't attend because it's just not my thing. Plus, I have a dog, like I said, and the sound of fireworks could be traumatizing. But before the big show, I took the dog out to relieve herself in the backyard. There was still at least an hour of daylight, but the entire neighborhood was pretty quiet because most everyone was at the fairgrounds or various other holiday events. So when an unfamiliar large white pickup drove slowly down the street, I definitely noticed it. It must have turned around at the end of the street because I saw it again moving in the opposite direction, only about 20 seconds later. This time, it turned into the parking lot of the road department. Now, people have been known to toss things in the empty garbage trucks, usually at night to avoid getting caught, because they don't want to or are unable to make the trip to the landfill themselves. Usually it's things like, I don't know, furniture or broken equipment, but I didn't see any of these things in the back of this truck. The driver was a somewhat stocky guy of average height. He looked, he took three large black trash bags from the bed of his truck and tossed them one by one into the hopper of the garbage truck. 
then he left. Now, I swear that I'm not one of those meddling rear window types who always thinks activity is suspicious and that their neighbors are up to no good, but something about this didn't sit right with me. Normally, when I see people tossing their garbage into the trucks and leaving, I don't bother reporting it because it's relatively harmless. But this time, I don't know, I had a gut feeling. So I called the cops. If anything, they could get the guy for illegally dumping trash from a barbecue or whatever. While I'm on the phone though with dispatch, I put my dog inside to cut down on distractions while the officers investigate. A few minutes later, an officer arrived and I crossed the street to meet him, gave him a description of the events and pointed out which of the trucks the man had tossed his bags. He found the bags, he took photos, he put on gloves and told me to stay back. The bags were tied in a knot at the top and it took him a minute to untie one because of the gloves and how tight the knot was but eventually he got it open, looked inside for a few seconds, then twisted it closed and took a few steps back. Oh no, he said under his breath. What is it? I asked. It's... it's a body. I felt sick. I could tell that he felt sick too. I saw him grow pale, his hand was trembling when he held the radio, even his voice was shaking as he gave the code to dispatch. The dispatcher sounded confused when she asked him to repeat it, and within 10 minutes, the county sheriff was on the scene. Even he looked sick at the contents of the bag. But the coroner arrived about 10 minutes after that, and the first officer walked me back to the house, along with another one who arrived at the same time as the coroner. Though I showed the first cop via the app on my phone when I described the events initially, I now showed them the video on a larger screen. The camera caught footage of the truck as it drove by both times, as well as pulling into the parking lot though unfortunately not a clear view of the license plate or of the man tossing the bags out of frame. We watched the footage over and over, pausing frames and trying to get different angles, the officers taking notes. Ultimately, they requested this footage as well as a copy of the files from the past week to see if the truck had been in the area before. I've also been saving footage until the road department installs their own camera this week, so that was useful. Because this is all still so fresh though, I don't know any more details. What I do know is that everything was in pieces, but I don't know the age of the victim, the gender, the cause of death, any of that. Information hasn't been released to the public either. I don't know if the coroner has even been able to identify the body yet to be honest. A police cruiser has been parked at the fire department next door for constant surveillance in case the guy comes back as well. And the guy who dumped the body is apparently likely a local. Which makes sense because how else would he know to dump them there, right? He probably thought that it would get buried in other people's illegal trash accumulated over the holiday weekend and the sanitation crew wouldn't have bothered to investigate. But when I think about how this guy lives in my community, it makes me feel physically ill. To think that he'd clearly scouted the area for a dump site, that it may not have been the first time that this had happened, that this could happen again. If I hadn't have called it in, if I hadn't have been in the backyard at that exact moment, or if I'd ignored that gut feeling, the victim would never have even been found. 
may never have found potential justice. Their loved ones may never even have closure. In fact, there's a possibility that it just might happen again to another poor soul. I hope that it's just not me. Please don't let it be me. In fact, I think that it's time that I moved again. Third time's a charm, right? My partner and I are avid hikers. Last July, we went on a trip and decided to camp at this spot that we love. It's quiet, off the beaten path, and offers absolutely spectacular views of portions of George Washington National Forest to the west. And the first day and evening of the trip itself was really nice and uneventful, though we didn't sleep super well because of the humidity. The next morning, though, we decided to go for a hike in a portion of Jefferson Forest. We'd never been there before. It's comprised of ATV trails and about a dozen campsites, but has a trail that leads to an old fire tower that we'd always wanted to check out. It was about a 45-minute drive from our campsite, mostly on back roads. When we got there, the first thing that struck out to us was how empty the campsites were. But we actually didn't camp there the night before because we'd heard that the site is usually packed and we knew that we wouldn't arrive early enough in the weekend to get a spot. But there were only two spots taken though. In one was a sort of desiccated tent and a bunch of garbage. It looked like someone had been there for a while but it was deserted when we arrived. In the other, there was a young woman, I'm guessing in her late teens, setting up a small backpacking tent. There was a truck and one other smaller car in the parking area, and that was it. We parked and started getting our gear together, and the woman approaches us to ask if we knew where the trailhead was. I told her that we'd read that it branched off about 100 yards into one of the ATV tracks, but we weren't 100% sure which. Since I was getting such weird vibes from the place... I kind of hoped that she'd stick around and go with us to find it, but she just thanked us and took off in the general direction of the trail. We set off and walked up and down a few of the ATV trails until we found the walking path. We saw two ATVs shoot by us at one point, but otherwise didn't encounter another soul, including the woman from earlier. It took us about an hour, I would guess, to get to the top of the mountain where the fire tower was. It's an old metal structure and you have to climb to a narrow set of stairs to get to the top of it. Well, we got up, looked around, took some pictures and started heading down. Honestly, the view was kind of a letdown, but about halfway down, very suddenly, everything just sort of stopped. The birds, the bugs, everything, even the wind. It was just dead silent. I don't know how quiet to put it into words, but... It felt like the ancientness of the forest was contorting and sort of crushing us. I felt trapped all of a sudden and cornered in spite of the expanse around us. My partner and I looked at each other and wordlessly started to book it out of there. But we started running back to the car but the feeling only followed us and as we were rounding one of the switchbacks, we heard this unearthly shriek like a cross between metal on metal and a choir singing off key. And we also saw something. I just got a glimpse of it before we blacked out, but 
I don't know how to describe it other than it looked huge, despite clearly not taking up much physical space and moved in sort of writhes and flashes. It didn't have a color, it just felt like evil and emptiness. I probably only perceived it for like half a second before my memory just completely gives way. When we came to, we were sitting in the car and two whole hours had passed, double the length of time it took us to get up there. I don't know if we lost consciousness or just somehow blocked those hours out. I learned later the exact same thing had happened to my partner as well. Both of the cars were next to us in the parking lot and there were still just the two tents at the campsite. The woman wasn't in hers and it looked exactly the same way as she'd left it. I think about her all the time and have spent a ton of time trying to figure out if someone went missing around the time of our trip. It took a few months for my partner and I to even talk about that day. And some of the stories that I've shared here have made me feel less alone. It was a scary ordeal and I still don't have answers. We still love to hike but honestly... I haven't been able to go into the Appalachian Forest since this happened. I'm curious if others have had other experiences like this because it's a, a real head scratcher, that's for sure. So, this story happened to me sometime in 2014. I've never told anyone about it. You'll see why in a minute but I thought that you guys might find it interesting. I'm almost 30 now, and thinking about it still keeps me awake at night sometimes. But keep in mind, I never did drugs, I don't drink alcohol, or anything like that. So each summer, my family and I would visit my granddad's house, where he, my uncle, and two aunts live. My uncle is a self-proclaimed treasure hunter, in North Africa, these hunter people would supposedly employ demons through some creepy rituals as well to guide them to hidden old valuables buried in some secret places. I know, weird. My uncle is pretty knowledgeable about demons and jinns though because of this. And one night, after having a big North African dinner with the family, I hung around with my uncle in his room. I just always liked to listen to his creepy stories. He decided to show me though that night a stack of old Islamic witchcraft books and manuscripts. Among them was one called The Great Secret to Attract the Beloved, a rough translation from Arabic. The book was a bit hard to read as it was old and handwritten. I browsed randomly and there was some sort of a talisman with instructions. You had to draw some sort of a table and within the columns you draw some letters or something. You then take the paper and put it under your pillow and this supposedly will bring you a lover. Seems silly to me, but fun to try, so I thought why not? So eventually I slept and I woke up sometime in the early morning. I still remember it too as it was a little bit bright and the pigeons would get really loud at that time as well. But this sound was not actually what woke me up. It was actually the weight of a woman on my waist... I got woken up by a lady. Well, you can guess what she was doing. I was, yeah, and there was no pleasure, but all I felt was just terror. The lady had no face. It was darker than the room. Abyss kind of dark. 
She had like glowing neon red hair that burnt me as well whenever she'd bounce and like every good Muslim guy, I looked away and started reciting verses of the Quran and I looked back at her and she was just gone. But my pants were down and I was immediately lost in thought. The next day, my uncle saw me acting sort of weird and distant and asked me why. I hesitated a lot, but eventually I told him about it. Not sure if he was joking, but the dude told me that it's just his ginger familiar. She likes to play with young guys. I kid you not, that's exactly what he said too. And I have not spent a night there since then. Fast forward three days later though, back in our room, I was asleep and I have this dream. I'm walking in a dark tunnel, I get shivers and I reach to my pocket and find my phone and just as I turn my flashlight on, it revealed a naked black man kneeling. I approached him and touched his shoulder and he stood up, he kept standing up and he was really tall. He smiled at me with huge white teeth and... I woke up from the dream unable to move. I guess it was some sort of sleep paralysis or something. Anyways, I was unable to move and I start looking around with my eyes and a figure stands up from the edge of my bed. And it was the same dude from my dream. He stood there for a moment and looked at me. I tried to scream but nothing came out of my throat and then he just vanished in a cloud of like really dark smoke darker than the dark of the room. He turned to smoke and then appeared right to the side of my bed. He stood there again, tall and completely naked. His face slowly got closer to mine and just as I made eye contact with him, he smiled at me and vanished in smoke. I could finally move. I stood up and just sort of breathed for a moment. I went to drink some water, unable to believe what had just happened. The next day, I get awoken up at 8 in the morning by my alarm. With my eyes half closed, I try to reach for the phone to shut it down, but I get blocked by something. I thought that it was my brother, but when I looked, my hand was blocked by what I can only describe as like a midget's hand. A midget who had the face of the brother of one of my friends. He then laughed at me and ran away towards the door with his short legs and... I know it sounds kind of comical, but man, when you go through this stuff, it is freaky. Since then, I started praying and I've not seen any of them again. I like to think that they were just sleep paralysis episodes, but to be honest, I'm not so sure. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.